Well, amen. Tonight we're going to be looking in the book of Mark. I want to look in chapter number three this evening. We began a study some time ago, treasures from the book of Mark. We moved right along down into chapter number three. And as we approached this chapter and got into verses 13 through 19, felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us to woe up and start looking at the master's men, the list of the 12 disciples that we find in this chapter. I want to begin reading in verse number 13 of Matthew, or Mark chapter number 3. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, his surname Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Notice with me in verse 19 that Judas Iscariot is the twelfth of the Lord's disciples whom he chose to follow him. And I think there can be no greater example tonight of than Judas Iscariot, of someone who could closely follow the Lord and be so close to the kingdom of God and yet remain lost. Judas stands before us as exhibit A of what it looks like for someone to be deeply religious but lost. And to me, Judas demonstrates the greatest tragedy of all, and that is that you can go to hell while getting ready to stand on the very doorsteps of heaven. I believe he followed the greatest teacher, don't you, of any teacher that's ever lived upon this earth, and yet Judas chose to go his own way and not follow that teacher anymore. Judas Iscariot saw all the miracles. He heard all the truths and the precepts from the great teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet he never entrusted his salvation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas sinned against the fullest knowledge of the truth. And he descended into the hottest hell because he rejected Christ. No one has ever been so close to heaven and yet walked away right into hell. Judas was an imposter. Tonight, I want to preach on this thought. Judas, the counterfeit disciple. He was a tear amongst the wheat. He was a devil amongst the disciples. Oh, yes, I said a devil amongst the disciples. That's what Jesus' words were. Judas professed Christ, but he never possessed Christ. Judas had external religion, but he never had internal reality of the Lord's salvation. Judas had remorse, but he had no repentance. Judas knew the facts about Jesus, but he had no faith in Jesus. Judas is the greatest example of a fake believer, a false disciple. He is a warning tonight of every one of, to every one of us of the danger of playing church. 
He should cause us to want to examine ourselves so that we don't become so foolish and fall away. We must tonight make sure that we are truly born again. I'm asking you to give heed to your soul tonight. I want to say seven things tonight, and that's a lot, about Judas Iscariot, the counterfeit disciple. Number one, I want us to think about his classification. Verse 19, his name, Judas Iscariot. Judas is the Greek name of Judah. Judah in Hebrew means praise. Judas means Jehovah leads. His parents gave him this wonderful name of Jehovah leads. Don't you know that they prayed and desired that their son would be led by Jehovah and that their son would follow Jehovah? Iscariot. It's two Hebrew words brought or merged together. The word ish means man. Iscariot means, or Kerioth means, it's a village. It's a town. It's 23 miles south of Jerusalem. It means ish, Kerioth means the man from Kerioth. Judas wasn't from Galilee like all the other disciples. He felt like he was isolated and on the outside. He wasn't one of the good old boys from that region. He's the least known of the other 11 disciples, and yet he just blended in like a chameleon. He just camouflaged himself amongst the group. We need to draw from this how easy it is to grow up in a good home with good parents who pray for us and desire the best for us, and yet we remain lost. Judas was from the deep south from Jerusalem. You can be from the deep south in the Bible Belt and still not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We see his classification. Number two, I want us to think about his calling. Verse 13 again says, Jesus goeth up into a mountain and he calleth unto him whom he would. Now, we don't have the individual calling of Judas recorded, but obviously according to this text, Jesus did summon, he did call, he did choose Judas. He knew, it wasn't, an, it wasn't, uh, it didn't surprise Jesus that Judas would betray him. He knew from the beginning. Jesus knew before the Old Testament was ever written. He knew before a prophecy was ever made that one of his own would betray him. Yet, he called him anyway. And it was a surprise to no one, especially the Lord Jesus Christ. When Judas walked away, he is intensely placed last on this list in Mark. He is last on the list in Matthew chapter 10. He is last on the list in Luke chapter number 6. He is, if you'll think about it, verse 19 of this passage is greatly separated from verse 13. It's like he is greatly separated from Jesus who is in verse 13. Why is, why is there a separation? Such a separation in this list. There's a great chasm, a separation, a great divide of the sinner. Look, he's in a verse all by himself away from where the Lord Jesus Christ is. Is it immeasurable gulf of sin that separated Judas 
from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I want to talk about his character. Judas was a young man. He was zealous. He was devout. He was a young man who did not want Roman domination of the Jews. And so Judas saw in Jesus the opportunity to overthrow Rome. He believed that he, Jesus, would overthrow Roman oppression and domination. And Judas wanted to go along for the ride. Judas wanted to go along for the money. Judas wanted to go along for the power. There's a lot of people that try to get associated with the church because they think there's a fellowship there. They can make some business adventures or some uh, uh, advances socially. That's not what church is about, amen? Judas saw in Jesus as a way for personal prosperity. Unlike the rest of the disciples, Judas possessed outward qualities that were um, commended by the other disciples. Preacher Aaron, I don't follow you. The other disciples, you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13. The other disciples chose Judas as the treasurer. Someone they respected. Someone they trusted. Someone they thought was responsible and accountable. John 13, 29. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag. You see that? In other words, he is the treasurer of the group. No one in the group detected Judas as being counterfeit. No one detected Judas as being unconverted. But Jesus knew that Judas was unconverted. Jesus knew about Judas's real motives. Yet he gave him every opportunity to get right with God. Judas was part of the sovereign plan of Almighty God. He's chosen, I believe, chosen according to the plan of God. I believe he's also chosen to warn us. To warn us of what, Preacher Darren? He is an exhibit of how easy it is to get a position in the church to be a preacher. Judas was a preacher. Jesus and his disciples out two by two to preach. Judas was a healer. Judas was the treasurer. Judas was a teacher. You might say he's a Sunday school teacher. Judas was a leader amongst the religious group of that day and yet unconverted. He just blended in and no one suspected him. No one except for Jesus knew the real motives of his heart. Think about his character. Fourthly, I want to think tonight about his chances. Now think about this. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, but he offered him many opportunities to get right with God. I think about the miracles that Judas saw, and I think about the truth that Judas heard. Think about this. Jesus taught about lordship. Jesus said before Judas' hearing and many others, he said, no man can serve two masters. Right? Judas was trying to follow Jesus while being a devil. Judas was trying to serve in the kingdom of light while being a real part of the kingdom of darkness. No man can serve two masters. Judas was a man motivated by greed. Listen to this. Jesus said a man's life consisteth not of the things, of the abundance of things which he possesseth. 
I'm going to show you in a minute how motivated by money he was. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures which are in heaven. Jesus said, whosoever believeth in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Judas heard those warnings and yet thought he'd be okay anyway. Listen, this one. Matthew 7, turn there. Matthew 7, verse 22. Matthew 7, verse 22. Look what Jesus said to his disciples, to all those that were gathered there that day. Matthew 7, 22. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth, verse 21, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Could you just imagine Judas, who was sent out two by two to preach or to cast out demons, that he wouldn't come back and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Am I not one of your very own that you individually, personally, sovereignly chose? Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Imagine being with Jesus every day. And now Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And yet I am persuaded. There are people in our churches that sit and hear me preach. Shake your hand. They are lost, and they just blend in like a chameleon, and we don't even suspect that they're lost. We pray for the drunk on the bar stool or the drug addict down on the corner, and we're not burdened about people that we come in contact with, good people every day that we see who just blend right in, and they do not know Jesus. And they have had no calling upon his name. I spoke with people today. I'm persuaded. I've spoke with people today that are not saved. And my heart is broken. Good friends of mine. And it's burnt in my heart. Jesus preached and he said, warning men of the awfulness of hell and telling men about the splendor of heaven in John 6, 70. It's what Jesus said. He's, oh, you got to turn there. Don't take my word for it. I want you to see it in your Bible. In John chapter 6, John chapter 6 and verse number 70. Jesus is sharing things. In verse 70, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? His word's not mine. Jesus said to his twelve, have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? You know what that means? You're under the control of the devil. 
There are only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There are only two fathers. There is God the Father and there's the devil. And he is the father of lies and the father of wickedness. According to Jesus' very own words. Amen. I begin to think about John chapter 8. Go there with me. This is not my notes. Here we go. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 38. We're coming back to that last one we just read. John 8 38. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And you do that which you have seen with your father. He's not talking about their earthly daddy. He's talking about them being under the authority and the control and the dominion of the devil. If you are not saved, you are under the control of the devil. You may say, preacher Darren, oh no. I may not be saved, but I'm controlling myself. Honey, you're being influenced and controlled by the authority of the devil. If you don't believe me, let's just keep reading Jesus' words. Look with me in verse number uh, 41. Jesus said, you do the deeds of your father. You see what, here's the thing. I have the DNA in my body from my earthly daddy. That DNA is in me. Guess what, spiritually, I have the DNA of my heavenly father. It's a matter, thank God, of the blood of Jesus Christ and I have the spiritual DNA of my father. I am a child of God. Not because I say so, but because on July 13, 1978, I felt a conviction on my way to hell and humbled myself and asked him to forgive me and to save my soul. Believing he died on the cross for me and shed his blood and was buried and rose again on the first day of the week. And honey, now I'm a child of God. I have the spiritual DNA of my father. But if you've not been saved, he said, you do the deeds of your father. Verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Verse 44, ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he's a liar and the father of it. Now, I want to go back to John 6. We just read in verse 70. Jesus said, have I not chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. You are under the control and the authority of the devil himself though you're traveling with the religious group led by Jesus Christ. Verse 71, he spake of Judas Iscariot. What does that mean, Iscariot? Man from Kirioth. Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. What about that? He had every opportunity to get right with God. And he would not humble himself because he was under the control of the devil. Fifthly, I want us to see his complaint. Now you're in John. I want to turn to chapter 12. John chapter 12. 
Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. This is six days. This is the last week of his life on earth, just before the Passover. Jesus has come to Bethany. The Bible, and Bethany means, Beth means house. Bethany means house of misery. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Don't you know there's a great stirring and excitement in the community? Because Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Jesus has come back to Bethany. He's not necessarily at their house. He's at another house. And Lazarus is there. And Mary is there. And Martha. The Bible says there they made him a supper. And Martha served. And Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. They're having fellowship. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Here Mary takes that expensive ointment. That perfume, according to the book of Matthew, cost almost one year's wages. She broke open that perfume and anointed Jesus' feet. Then she did the unthinkable and she wiped his feet with her hair. I believe she was down, humbled, worshiping him, anointing him for his burial, which is coming within the week. And as she's there, as she worships, the tears are dropping on his feet and the perfume is there and she's let down her hair to try to dry. Listen, the glory of a woman is her hair. And she laid her glory down at Jesus' feet. Now, do you see the worship? Jesus is being worshipped this last week of his life. He's being worshipped. Verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? 300 pence. Pence means one day's wage. 300 days wages. Think about the weekends. Not all of us work on the weekends. We don't work seven days a week or six days a week, right? So this is about one year's wages. Judas Iscariot, he opens his mouth. It's the first time recorded in the Bible that Judas Iscariot spoke. And what did he do? He came out of his camouflage. He's left his cover behind. He begins to criticize someone's worship. Our churches are filled with people who criticize someone's worship. And it makes me wonder where that criticism comes from. Don't you, I criticize, don't you say that about me. I didn't say anything about you, sir. Ma'am. But if you felt that hit, it's just because I threw a rock. And it just happened to land pretty close to where you're standing. And you better back away. The last week of Jesus' life, he was being worshipped. And at the same time he's being worshipped, he's being criticized 
by one of his very own followers and someone else's worship is being criticized by one of his very own followers, a hater of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think with me for just a second. He's pouring out his complaint. Look with me in verse 6. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, being our writer, gives an editorial comment regarding Judas's motive. Verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag, and he bare what was put therein. You realize that Judas has been skimming from the bag the whole time? That's why he got on board this gravy train. I mean, Jesus and his disciples were poor. They didn't have a whole lot. This group of men went around doing good. But what little that they had, Judas is stealing their resources. He, he's like a straw, pulling away, pulling away, pulling away. Never contributing. Always on the take. And the Holy Ghost says in verse 6 that he criticized her worship. And he did it under the disguise. Boy, I've had this happen to me. Under the disguise. Sounds spiritual. We need to take care of the poor, preacher. See, this ought to have been sold. We could, I don't like what we've done. This should have been given to the poor. I, oh, for the t countless times I've heard comments like that. Oh, it ought not to have been done this way. It ought to have been done this way. Well, I, I, listen, when you get elected pastor, we'll do it your way. But for now, while I'm here, we're going to do it God's way. And I want to serve him from the depths of my heart. I love him with every fiber of my being. Do you understand he saved my soul? And he's letting me, a boy that deserves to go to hell with his back broke, he's letting me go to heaven. And he lets me carry his word and tell you fine people about a God that can bless you and forgive you and save you. I'm just telling you tonight, youngins, I don't want anybody under the sound of my voice to die and go to a devil's hell because you decided to be a Judas and criticize worship and walk away lost. My heart's burned to death tonight, y'all. I'm telling you tonight, he poured out his complaint. Verse 7, Jesus rebukes him. Pardon me a second. I can't hardly even see. The Bible says in verse 7, Oh, God, help me. Then said Jesus, let her alone. You see that? He came to her defense. Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. I want you to think for a second. Sitting there at this house, Martha is serving Mary, she is worshiping. Lazarus is sitting there at the table fellowshipping with Jesus over a meal. You remember Lazarus? Y'all remember him? He died. And Jesus was four days late getting there. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. He's been dead four days. Here's what she's saying. <clears throat> Mary, my sister, has this great big bottle of perfume that's worth 300 days wages. She should have poured that 
on my brother's body and anointed him, but she did not do it. And now she, my brother stinks, and we're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> Jesus said, Father, thank you that you hear me always, but for your sake, I said, take away the stone. Listen, and when he said, Lazarus, come forth, he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. If Mary had anointed her brother, she would have anointed the wrong one. Her brother Lazarus is not the Lord and the Savior and the King of Kings. Mary recognized that my faith is not in my brother. My faith is in my Savior. I'm saving my worship, not for my family. I'm saving my worship for my Jesus. And if it harlips the devil, I'm going to pour it out on Jesus. And in John 11, Lazarus was raised and she didn't anoint him. But now in John 12, she's anointing Jesus. She ain't anointing Lazarus. She ain't anointing Martha. She's anointing Jesus. Honey, who is it tonight you're anointing? Who is it you're letting your glory down for? Who is it that you bow in praise? Who is it that you're seeking his face? It better not be your family. It better not be your marriage. It better not be your job. It better be your Jesus. He's our God. He's our master. Jesus came to her defense and said, let her alone. Mm, I like that. Now, I want to go to Matthew's gospel. I'm almost done. Matthew's gospel. And I want us to see, what number am I on? Six? I want us to see his choice in Matthew 26. We're going to look at verse number six. Matthew 26, six. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, we just read that in John 12, that Jesus was in Bethany and Martha and Mary and Lazarus are there. We find out a little more information. He's in the house of Simon the leper. Now, he's not a leper anymore. Jesus has cleansed him and made him whole. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment Poured it on his head as he sat at me. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Why do you think that happened? Listen, Judas started this criticism. And other disciples picked up on it and said, You know what? He's being spiritual. Man, old Judas, you can count on him in a rough spot. And they started agreeing with him that what she was doing was a waste. You better be, you better be careful who you line yourself up with. You better be careful what you say amen to. You better be careful what you fellowship with. I was in a church one time, and the preacher had a guy come through with a red suit on. Horns. He had a he had like a, a a bow and arrow, and he was firing darts at people, shooting at them. The whole time the preacher was preaching, he had this guy in a devil suit running around shooting fiery darts at everybody. I mean, he shot at me twice. I missed. He missed both times, but this close, and it was such a distraction. I thought, and in just a little while, that feller 
He took off his red suit in the back and he put on a nice suit and tie and necktie. And Brother Bob, he came right down and sat beside me and put his hand out to shake hands with me. And the preacher come down and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You better be careful what you're shaking hands with because that's the same guy that was just in the red suit that was shooting fiery darts at everybody. And now just because he put on a suit like you, you're ready to have fellowship with him. You need to be warned who and what you're fellowshipping with. For all you know, it may be some of the devil's very legion trying to tear up and tear down. Are y'all okay? Now, we're reading here. God's burdened my heart about this passage. So, so we're reading here. When Jesus understood it, he said to them, Why trouble you the woman? For she hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Now what Jesus just said, he rebuked, he rebuked Judas, and he has commended this woman's worship. Jesus has also, y'all listen to me, it's important. Jesus has also just said he's going to die and be buried. Did you see that? You better look back in your Bible. Preacher Darren, you tell that right? Jesus just announced he's going to be buried. She did this for my burial. And Judas heard it and said, uh-oh, the gravy train is about to end. I'm not going to be able to skim off the top anymore. I've just blown my cover. My camouflage, my chameleon suit has just been exposed for the devil that I am. I better find the best deal I can and walk away. Look at the next verse. The very same day, then, then, one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went under the chief priest. The chief priest didn't come to him. They wanted rid of Jesus, but they didn't come to him. Judas went to them, trying to negotiate and make a deal and get all he could for selling Jesus. He said unto him, what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Read your Bible. It's the price of a slave. 30 pieces of silver. I've seen people sell him for much less than 30 pieces of silver. I've seen people sell him for a relationship between a boy and a girl. I've seen a girl get ready to come to the altar and her boy grab her hand and pull her back. And only within six months them to break up. And then that girl never ever gets saved. She forsook her moment of salvation for a relationship with a boy that failed in six months. I'm telling you tonight, you need to drop your pride. You need to humble yourself and say, I am not going to sit on this pew and go to hell. I am not doing it for any boy. I am not doing it for any girl. I want to humble myself and I want to call on Jesus Christ and I want to be saved. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He made the deal. That's his choice. And from that time, he sought opportunity 
to betray him. Now, as I go to John chapter 13, a little later in the week, the disciples are in the upper room. They're there for the feast of the Passover. Jesus is washing their feet. Judas gets there just a little bit late, and Jesus washes his feet. Verse 21 of John 13. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. The Bible says in Matthew that they all said, Master, is it I? Not one of them suspected. Not one of them said, I know who it is. It's that imposter. It's that counterfeit. It's Judas. When I look at you tonight, I see your smiles. I see your faces. I've had fellowship with you, but I do not know your heart. I do not know if you're here tonight and you've been in this church all this time and all these weeks, I do not know if you're real or counterfeit. Oh, preacher, Dan, you've seen me worship. You've seen Honey, I can't vouch for you when we get to heaven. The only thing I can do is say, Lord, I'm saved because of Jesus. But as far as the rest of them, I've done my best to tell them. I've done my best to pray for them. But that decision was between you and them. I cannot vouch for you. I got about eight amens. I need to get a whole house full. Preacher Darren cannot vouch for you. That's between you and the master. And every one of them said, is it I? One of them said, hey, Peter, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you find out? Or Peter says, hey, John, why don't you find out? We're reading it right here. John chapter 13, verse 24. Simon Peter, therefore, beckoned to him that he should ask, he's talking to John, who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? See, Simon Peter said, hey, John, you're close to him. Why don't you ask him who it is? One of us going to betray him? Find out who it is. And old John gets close to him and he says, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. Sop, S-O-P. The sop is oil. It's got nuts and raisins and, and dates inside it. And it's good for, for sopping stuff up. That's a good southern term. You could take the bread and you give somebody the sop. That person that you give the sop to first is the most distinguished person in the room. It is someone that would be a, a, an act of love and an act of friendship and an act of, uh, of honor to give them the sop first. And he reaches the sop to Judas. Read what the Bible says. The Bible says, when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. You know what Judas, Matthew's gospel says? He says, Lord, he had the audacity. He had the intestinal fortitude. When the Lord reached him that saw, 
Matthew's gospel said, he said, Lord, is it I? As if to deny it could possibly be him. Have you ever been in a service? And the Holy Ghost sitting on a service. And you know somebody there needs to be saved. And you sit there and say, Lord, is it I? You ever done that? Some of you have. Some of you have been there in that gut, rich, and wrestling, trying to make a decision, amen. And I'm thankful that I had a night just like that when I said, Lord, is it me? And it was me. And he saved me that night. Thank God for that that night. Judas is scary. Is it I? 27. After the salt, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. No man at the table knew for what intent he spake unto him. For some of them thought because Jesus had, Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy the things that we have need of against the feast or that he should give something to the poor. He then had, see that, they thought, oh, he's such a concerned fella. He's always got the poor at heart. Let me tell you who he's always got at heart is himself. His self. He then, having received the salt, went immediately out. Look what your Bible says. And it was night. He went out the kingdom of darkness into the night. The devil, his father, now entered into his heart. He made his choice. I remember my night, July 13, 1978. I made a choice. I said, Jesus. Will you save me? I choose Jesus. Brother, I could have said that night, no, it's not me. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give in. No, sir, I'm going to stand here. I'll not do it. That would have been my choice. That would have been my decision. You all have a choice and a decision what you'll do with Jesus Christ. Salt, S-O-P, son of perdition. Wow. Last of all, and I'm done. Number seven, I think about his condemnation. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, you'll turn there, that that night after the Lord's Supper, old Judas has went out into the night. The other 11 of Jesus partook of the bread and partook of the cup. They all left the place singing a hymn. They went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. They all entered together. Jesus took Peter, James, and John a little further, and he said, Set ye here, while I shall go yonder and pray. And he fell on his face and began to seek the face of God, and he got under such a burden that his sweat turned into great drops of blood. The blood running down his face. He finally comes back, finally his disciples asleep. He went back and prayed again. Finally, he said, rise up now and let us be going. Behold, he is a hand that doth betray me. And when he walked out of the garden, or just to the edge of that garden, here came Judas with a band of soldiers and religious men. And the Bible says that he kissed Jesus on the cheek. And he said, the word is H-A-I-L, hail, that's a greeting. It means hello, hail, master. Will you think with me for a second? When he kissed Jesus' cheek, he kissed the blood. 
He kissed it goodbye. He kissed him, and they took Jesus, and they arrested him. From that point, Judas, having his 30 pieces of silver, thinks he's doing really, really well. My Bible, let's go, let's just jump down to chapter 27. My Bible says in verse number 3, this is very important. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. When Judas saw, everybody knew what he had done. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. He was under the enormity of guilt. The Bible says he repented himself. It, the word in the Greek is a word that does not mean he repented and asked God to forgive him. What he did was he took the money back and he thought that'd be good enough. I'll turn the money back in and I'll be scot-free. The deal's off. I didn't do it. Repented himself. I, I got tied up with a man at a camp meeting over this word, repented himself. He never, the Greek word, repented to God. You can look it up in every reference. He never repented to God. Jesus said, of them that thou hast given me, have I kept, and have I lost none, save the son of perdition. Right? My Bible says, he said in verse 4, I have sinned. Look what Judas said. I have sinned in that I have betrayed. What's the next word? The. You need to underline that in your Bible. The, not a. He didn't just leave the word out. The innocent blood. It's a definite article. He is the only innocent blood. Even Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, recognized that Jesus Christ is the innocent son of Almighty God. He's got remorse. He's broken that he did it. But he would not repent to God and ask for forgiveness. I've betrayed the innocent blood. Verse 5, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple. He departed and went and hanged himself. Y'all see what he did? Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse number 18. They took that money that he gave back and they purchased a field of blood. Verse 18. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. Now we know he went and hanged himself. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. I don't know if the limb broke or the knot slipped, but he fell to the ground and he burst asunder in front of everybody. Oh, preacher dear, and I really thank you. Look at verse 25. That he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. 
He didn't go to be with Jesus. He went to hell. I believe the hottest part of hell. Because of the opportunities, how many that he had to be saved, and he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. In conclusion, Judas is a man governed by evil passions and by empty pretenses. He has the words of the gospel, but he has not the heart of the gospel. He's probably the most infamous counterfeit that's ever walked upon the face of this earth. But he's not unique. He's not. There's enough of him in all of us that we need to be warned of the danger, the danger of playing church. The danger of pretending to have religion when you really have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Preacher, it's the Wednesday night crowd. I mean, why would you get loaded up? Well, I've been preaching the master's men. And the whole time I've been preaching it, ever, ever night, man, I was just, God just burdened me about this, burdened me about this, burdened me about, and I don't know. But God knew you'd be here. I don't know who's watching online. I don't know who you have in your family. I don't know the burden you have for maybe your grandchildren, maybe a son or a daughter, maybe a daddy or a mama. They're lost. Lost. They profess a relationship with Christ, but you just don't see it. And my heart's broke about it. How dare I on Wednesday night come in here and stand at the back door, this back door, and shake your hand and smile at you and say, I love you, praying for you, thank you for coming out, it's good to have you, and not tell you the truth. One of my best friends, I told him the truth earlier today, and it was so grieving. I pray he's watching right now. I'm praying for you, son. I'm telling you, if you're here, and you've not been real, counterfeit or plastic, my wife's sister, she sat right here. I'd ask her many times, her sister would ask her many, my wife would ask her many times, are you saved? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm saved. One day, coming to this church for a few weeks in a row, she'd make a beeline for this altar. She said, I've lied to you. I've lied to my family. I have never really been saved. Do you think God would forgive me? And I said, well, let's find out. He said, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And he saved her. And she said, will you forgive me? I said, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Praise God. And I don't care who you are. If you're here tonight on the sound of my voice, you're watching online, and you've never been saved. She said, preacher there, will you forgive me? Preacher there, will the church forgive me? I was preaching revival, sister. We, uh, we crossed, if, if this was the road, you crossed the road, you crossed the road, or this was a railroad track, you crossed the railroad track four times getting to this church. It was the end of a dirt road. Nobody, I thought, nobody's going to come to this meeting. It's a dirt road at the end. And man, the Holy Ghost got in that meeting in week two, and week three, and week four. We were given the invitation, and the piano player was playing, and every night I had her play, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I said, I want you to play that song. That's the theme of this revival. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And that night, my piano player quit. And I looked, 
And she was down in the aisle. The altar was full. She was down in the, down in the altar herself. And Miss Juanita Stepp was with her. Used to do the, the, the play, I Dreamed I Searched Heaven for You. And she said, honey, do you need to be saved? And she said, ever not. That preacher's had me play. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And the more I play it, the more I know I don't know him. I came to this church 13 years ago. I started dating a boy here. They found out I could play the piano. I got married to the boy. They made me the church pianist. What's it going to look like for the church pianist to up and say, I'm not saved. I'm a counterfeit. I'm a phony. She said, honey, don't worry what they think. Worry what God knows. And that girl humbled herself and called on Jesus. She worked, I mean, that's from, that's from one side of the church to the other, confessing that they got saved that night. She stood there and she said, y'all know me? You've known me 13 years. And I'm so sorry for being a hypocrite. I'm so sorry for being a counterfeit. But every night I played for that preacher, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. But tonight I know who Jesus is. And the church, while we say amen, fell deaf and silent. Shocked. Her pianist got saved. What does that mean? Just in a little bit, as people kept testifying, I went back and I noticed she looked defeated after the church didn't clap and celebrate and praise God. And I said, honey, can you go back to that pianist? Could she play? I'm glad I know who Jesus is. All week long, was it good? Yeah. Wait till you hear it now. And I'm telling you, there's an angel sat down with her. And I've never heard that piano ring just like that. And she went to shouting and praising God. And that place lit up like a Christmas tree. And down this side of the church came a young man. And I went over and met him. I said, son, can I help you? He said, I'm her husband. And I don't know Jesus either. <laughs> and he got saved on the other side of the altar. Honey, I'm telling you, the best thing you'll ever do is get right with God. Well, Preacher Darren, you're starting to make me feel like this ain't prayer meeting, but it's revival meeting. Honey, it ought to be revival meeting. Every time we come to church, ought to be revival meeting. You stand to your feet tonight. Miss Beverly, I want you to come play. I don't know who you are, but if you're here and lost, won't you just humble yourself? Don't be ashamed. Don't be. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you won't confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. Maybe there's somebody here. You've got a burden out for a family member. Man, you're burdened about your sister. Burdened about your brother. Why don't you right now, preacher, I've prayed before. Bring them. Bring them right now. Bring them right now. Man, while you're seeing the urgency, while you're seeing the need, bring them right now. Bring them right now. Oh, God, save them. Save them, Lord. Save them. I've got a grand young and out of the will of God. I've got a grand young and wavering. Oh, God, get a hold of them, Lord. Come on right now. We're going to pray. Preacher, if I go to that altar, what will people think? They'll think you're doing business with God. And they'll wish they was doing business with God. Won't you come right now? Folks are moving. Folks are moving. Listen, I'm not going to come get you. If the Holy Ghost isn't big enough to impress you and move you, who am I? Father, tonight, as we bow upon bended knee, Lord, we praise you, honor you, and glorify you.
And God, tonight we're broken. God, we're concerned, burdened. Lord, we have friends, loved ones. God, it's not safe. Oh, they've talked a good game. They even told me, oh, yeah, I'm okay. But, Lord, I just know, God, you've burdened us about it. And, God, I just know that the Holy Ghost is trying to do a work. Father, I pray tonight, God, for that one. And these that are in the altar, God, that have burdens tonight, God, would you hear them? God, as you hear their hearts cry, their burden for family and friends and loved ones, Oh, God, would you convict them one more time for Jesus' sake. God, would you cause this church to be stirred for the glory of God and for the souls of men? God, would you help us? Oh, God, we're not here to play church or religion, but we're here to worship Jesus and to bring men and women to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ. God help us Lord. Don't let one. Under the sound of my voice. Die and go to hell. God if there's one here tonight. God I'm begging you for the conviction power. To rain on them. God I pray. If they are able to get out of this service. That God you'd deal with them on the way home. You'd deal with them when they look in the mirror. You'd keep them up at night. You'd make them of men most miserable. Until they get saved. God, have them, Lord. Help them, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.